Sirens, an audiobook project written and narrated by Ray Fletcher. Chapter 1 The sky had been fickle all day, splattering down showers, then apologizing with watery sun. There was a bit of snap to the damp wind, but it wouldn't amount to much. A red nose, maybe. Awful hair. It was good enough weather to hit the seawall for a run. One thing Marianne had learned in the yearish that she'd lived in Vancouver was to take advantage of any break in the near-perpetual rain, even a half-hearted one. She leaned against a pole, hands shoved into the pockets of her hoodie. Salty wind tried to pull her hair free of her ponytail. It was succeeding, bit by bit. No matter how long it was, it always escaped. It refused to turn into waves when she braided it. It refused even to stay in a braid. It was determined to thwart her. The seawall path was crowded. Pedestrians warred with cyclists. Both groups gave the hairy eyeball to rollerbladers. People kept moving, but it wasn't really harmonious. Too many people, and too little nature, maybe. The seawall was close enough to home that everyone recommended it for running, but... Sometimes it felt like a whole town's worth of people were fighting for space on this one narrow strip of pavement. The park was something else, though. Stanley Park was what she'd always mostly thought of when she'd dreamed of living in a city. Maybe that was ironic, coming from the land of trees and snow. But there was hardly any snow here, for one thing, except up on the mountains. For another, the trees were different. Different smell. Different feeling. Different attitude from the people wandering around under them. The park was a splash of green in the moody sea, a jewel in a crown of glass and metal, to get all poetic about it. It smelled fresh and clean, which was more than she could say for most of the city. They didn't mention the exhaust fumes and people smells in guidebooks. She looked at her watch. The green stretch of grass held a few loungers on plastic ground sheets, and some dog-sized squirrels, but no actual dogs. She straightened up and stretched her back and arms, rolling her shoulders. Quick run, then back. A joyous bark made her smile. She looked at the top of the hill, watching Captain Bobo scramble to retrieve the tennis ball bouncing down the slope. The big German shepherd circled back to grab it, then ran up to her, tail fanning the air. You're late, Bobo. She scratched his neck under his jingling collar, then held out her hand for the slobber-drenched ball. He quivered with anticipation, then dashed after it as soon as it left her hand. She threw it a few times. Bobo's enthusiasm never went down one iota. He's cheating on me again? All that man's best friend stuff is just hype. Matt jogged up, almost exactly how he looked when they met last fall. Straight, dark brown hair that he constantly pushed back with his fingers when it fell into his dark eyes. He was fortunately minus the dorky goatee. It had vanished over the winter. He looked like a jock and called himself a gym rat. He did something with computers that made him enough to afford an address somewhere nearby. Still, unlike almost everyone else she saw, he was just wearing a Warren University of Toronto hoodie and sweats instead of designer workout gear. It made her feel less self-conscious in her ratty t-shirt and shorts. Ten K and a drink? He bounced on his toes. He had a faint accent, 
picked up when he went back east to university. He denied it and argued that she had an accent. She was pretty sure he was kidding. Bobo offered his gooey tennis ball again and she threw it. Not that green shit. What are you talking about? It's good. Really great for your health. It tastes like plant hell. Bobo bounded joyously over the grass. 12k. I might not be able to make it for a couple of days. My mom's boyfriend is coming into town. Mom's boyfriend, huh? They started off, Bobo pacing them easily, glued to Matt's heels. He was why they'd met, dropping his tennis ball at her feet one day, nudging it with his nose when she didn't get the hint fast enough. Matt had come along a few minutes later, apologizing. He's bringing a truck down for a customer or something. Anyway, I thought I'd do the tour guide thing. Right, you said he worked with cars. In a garage. Working with cars sounded better than mechanic. He's cool. Strangely excited about whale watching. How long's he gonna stay? A couple of days, I think. Maybe we can take the ferry over to the island. You haven't been yet? I got to see the wax museum. Just being too busy to go back and explore any more than that. It was a fine line to walk, sharing time with Ash while places were still open. Easier in winter, of course, even if it was a misery of cold and damp. Marianne didn't understand how it could be so bone-chilling with no snow around. But it was. People went around bundled up against it, forcing Ash to wear a scarf just to seem normal. It looked good with her leather jacket. The PAs at work are always busy, too. I think you'd like the company, though, if you're looking for a better schedule. I bet I get paid more. Besides, I get a lot of time to study, too. Boss is really flexible. Night work is bad for your health, I heard. Somebody's got to do it. Guess so. If you ever want to see the sun, let me know. I can get you one. Thanks. I mean, it's awesome to have any choice at all. Up north, most of the good jobs are out in the bush or the mills. Mostly for guys. Is that why you moved down? Kinda. It felt like a dead end up there. Especially now. Especially the dead part. He just nodded. He had questions sometimes, so she knew he was curious. At first, she thought it was morbid, but he never pushed it. That was cool of him. They continued around the wall, gray water splashing up against the stones. It was a nice run. To her surprise, having company made it even better. One of the reasons she'd started running distance was because she could do it alone. Matt was fun to talk to, though, and his pace drove her to go faster, harder. It was good. She had hunting to do now. A real reason to get stronger. Give any thought to the trip? Who all's going again? Bunch of people from work. Ten or so. And you all know how to climb. Different levels. Dave's an instructor. Amanda free climbs. Mark just started, though. That kind of thing. If you don't like the climbing part, you can always hang out at the tents. Fend off bears. It sounded cool. Squamish was famous for climbing. He said that they had harnesses and stuff, and they knew what they were doing. Three days and two nights. Nights. Still have to ask my boss. What kind of slave driver do you work for? It's not like that. Just gotta be there when I need to be. It's okay if you don't want to come. I do. It wasn't even an answer just to pacify him. It really sounded awesome. I'll figure it out. Next month, right? 
on the long weekend. Bobo coming? He looked up when he heard his name, tongue unfurled like a little pink flag. Maybe. He still has a problem chasing animals. Might leave him with a sitter. Pet sitters. They had house-sitting and babysitting back home, but full-time, full-service pet-sitting, dog-walking, and doggy daycare still sounded weird to her. But Bobo's coat gleamed. Even his teeth were white. Is dog toothbrushing a thing? Dogs get tooth decay, too. The vet showed me how. Matt looked slightly sheepish. He likes his bathroom time. Marianne winced. Her own long-delayed dentist visit had been traumatic. They finished up. She filled her bottle at the public fountain, guzzling the water, ignoring the metallic tang, while Matt rehydrated with a neon green sports drink. By the way, I asked if there was room in my Krav Maga class. Instructor said you're more than welcome. There are some other women in it, too. It's good for self-defense. Very intense. You'll like it. Awesome. Thanks for checking. You'll come? I was the one who asked. She knelt down to give Bobo a final scratch. She'd run through women's self-defense courses last fall and winter. If she wanted to keep up with Ash on the hunt and not just keep herself safe, she needed something more. Everyone said Krav Maga was the best. The fading light caught on the thin white scars across her palms. The pendant's chain and the sharp edge of the culvert had come close to really fucking up her hands. Next time, she'd be ready. So you won't be around for a few days? Not sure what my schedule's gonna be like. Bobo will miss you. I might be able to make it out for a quick run. I'll call you when I can. Or should I call Bobo? He's pretty smart. He'll probably answer. She waved goodbye and started the short jog back home. The flower beds and hedges were tidy and groomed. There was no seven-month winter to hide garbage and dog shit. Maybe that's why everything was nice. And people cleaned up after the dogs here. She'd seen Matt's doggy cleanup kit. Or it was money. Downtown looked pretty crappy in places. There were areas Ash told her not to go alone just yet. And Marianne, after driving by, was okay with that. Even Sarah's place was in a dodgy area. If she wasn't with Ash, that's probably where she'd be staying. It was luck. It was all luck. All she'd done was meet the right person. The entrance to their building was spotless. She crossed the silent, warmly lit lobby to the elevator. It swept her up to an airy apartment, high above even theoretical dog shit. High enough for a view above it all. She showered the whole bathroom turning rich and green with the smell of shampoo and body wash. It was black stone and dark wood, this bathroom, as nice as the one in Ash's rental place up in Prince. The towels were thick enough to be blankets on their own. As the mirror rapidly cleared, she pulled a comb through her hair and braided it optimistically. Fresh t-shirt and shorts from the dresser. The furniture was sleek, the way expensive things were. My dresser. It's mine. Her lacquered box was there, next to a picture of her mom and John, taken at Christmas. She had a picture of her mom and dad, but it was in the box. Couldn't figure out why. It's just what felt right. The bedroom was turning orange with the last of the day when she slid between the sheets. 
For a moment, she let the quiet sift down around her. Her muscles relaxed and her mind stopped its spinning. She breathed in the warm light and let it settle in her bones. Home. My home. Her copy of Moby Dick. It was sitting reproachfully on the bedside table when she opened her eyes again. She sighed and reached for it. No, 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 shit. The bookmark fluttered to the floor. She glared at the millions of pages of wailing and, from what she'd heard, whale penis coats. At this point, she was sure that she'd read every page three times and still had no memory of any of it. With a groan, she started thumbing through, looking for her place with growing irritation. Fuck you, Ishmael. She gave up and covered her face with the book, closing her eyes. The smell of the paper was comforting, even if she didn't give two shits about what was written on it. The tip-off should have been that the copy was ten years old and the spine hadn't been cracked once before it ended up in the used bookstore. In fact, she was finding that a lot. When the coursework for her correspondence classes was done, she'd found a list of what were supposed to be the best books ever written, and so far they were kind of boring. Either she was missing something, or she was too dumb to understand the sublime profundity of a guy chasing a whale. Since it wasn't just this book, she was beginning to think she was the problem. Maybe I should stick to practical things. Accounting or something. It's not like Ash is a bottomless well of money. Even if she is, it's hers. I should be thinking about taking care of my own. I should be figuring out practical things. She was a little vague on how much money Ash did have. In addition to the nest egg and credit cards that Ash had given her, she'd hired Marianne as her assistant to make Revenue Canada happy. Ash spoke on the phone about things like investments and portfolios while Marianne flopped on her lap and read, waiting for errands to run, earning her absurdly inflated salary by photocopying, faxing, and visiting post offices. Best job ever. The room dimmed. The sun was down. The soft sheets stirred, allowing a cool tendril of air to slip under. She held still, expectant. A moment later, Ash's hand slid over her stomach, under her shirt, stopping just below her breast. The closeness, the sensation of it, caused her breath to catch. A riveting read, so it seems. Marianne grunted. I don't care about dicks, Moby or otherwise. The book was lifted away. She watched, appreciating how Ash's features emerged from the dusky gloom. Her eyes were half-lowered, lazy and pleased. You can throw it, Marianne offered. Uncouth imp. Books aren't to be thrown. Maybe the good parts will fall out. Ash reached over her to restore the book to its place below the lamp. Her braid tickled its way across Marianne's neck. Books and reading are treasures. You don't mind when I write in them. That's different. A well-read book, full of the thoughts of others. No, that is an object to treasure. Eh. Not every book speaks to every person. So far, none of them do. You'll find something that sings to you. She settled back down onto the pillow. Marianne rolled onto her side, fingers exploring the flawless shoulder and neck, following the delicate iron of her collarbone. Ash blinked slowly, smile playing on her lips. Did you have a good run?
How did you know? Hmm. Freshly showered. Lush. She wondered if it was a blood thing. A vampire thing. Either way, the look in Ash's eyes warmed her. Bobo says hi. Ha. He'd have my throat out in an instant. A little glimmer of Ewan's residual power sparked beneath Marianne's fingers. When the energy hadn't gone away over the winter, Ash admitted it was probably permanent. Tonight, the paleness wasn't just that, though. The skin around her eyes was dark, reddish and bruised. It looked painful. You need to eat. I have some here. She nestled into the bed with a stretch and a sigh. That's for emergencies, you said. I'd rather stay in our little nest. You tell me to go, though, right? I'd tell you we have perfectly good pizza left in the fridge. Pizza did nothing for her, and they both knew it. When was the last time? Not so long ago. Last week, right? She looked down, hand smoothing over Marianne's side. Even when Marianne said she didn't care, Ash still only ate properly when she absolutely had to. Marianne couldn't be sure, but she thought it must hurt or be unhealthy. In whatever sense vampires had health, not to eat regularly. If you go now, you can come back and help me with research. You're the charming bit of that idea. Ash. She rolled over, Ash's pale body fitting beneath her comfortably. Cool hands moved up, cupping her breasts. Marianne closed her eyes, the gentleness of the touch stealing her breath. Nuh-uh. Hands strong enough to snap Marianne's bones like twigs allowed themselves to be moved like kittens. The hollow look of her face, coupled with how her hands gave way, pressing back into the pillow, filled Marianne with the strangest feeling. Ash was a nigh-invulnerable vampire, so why did she suddenly feel like she was something to protect? When you get back, we can do it. Make love, my darling. Marianne rolled her eyes, and Ash laughed. It was an old-fashioned thing to say. From anyone else, it would sound strange. With another kiss, she got up and started to dress. Marianne watched, stretching under the covers. It was right to make her go, but damn. By the time she was gone, Marianne was already turned on. With a sigh, she got up and headed out to the living room to work. When they'd moved from that first apartment to a more permanent place, they'd chosen everything together, debating back and forth. There were necessary things, of course. And then there were what seemed to Marianne to be ridiculous luxuries. They didn't need a maid. They could pick up some stuff at nicer second-hand stores. What was wrong with the slightly smaller fridge on sale? In the back of her mind was a constant, nagging voice of prudence. Ash relented on some things, insisting that quality was worth the money when it came to others, and stating that she had no intention of scrubbing her own bathroom. So a maid did come, but not as often as Ash originally wanted. Even though Ash was paying, or her company was, they still compromised together. It was really cool. Not just like being a roommate, but being considered by mattering. Marianne sat at the desk that took up a corner of the living room. It was spacious enough for two chairs and computers, a printer, scanner, and fax machine. Her coursework books were on a shelf, awaiting a trip to the second-hand store now that she was done with them. Behind her, the room was quiet, 
lit with a bloom of lily-shaped floor lamps. Fluffy, woolly blankets lay invitingly on a broad sofa and a comfortable armchair. Beyond that was the door to the kitchen and a small dining room, with a breakfast counter separating one from the other. Not a single speck of particle board furniture marred the look, not to mention how large the supposedly small dining room was. It still felt like she was intruding, a little. Like maybe she should be cleaning it, not leaving her socks on the floor. Her computer whirred and rattled to life. She gathered up the day's newspapers. This was the real work, and way more frustrating than Moby Dick. They needed to hunt. They needed a real sign of the beasts and monsters that had escaped the gate. There was nothing left up in Prince. Ash had seen to it. That left them looking for stories that seemed odd. A vague idea. Nebulous, Ash said. They didn't even know what some of the creatures were, much less what they did or where they'd gone. And newspapers would make up stories like the government had back home about all the explosions and the dying. There was a rustling sound. She looked over her shoulder, heart racing. Nothing but tidy, silent room. A painting, abstract but unmistakably two women, hung in the shadows above the dining table, a pale square against the forest green wall. It was Ashes. She'd asked before putting it up. Really, there wasn't much of either of them in the apartment yet. Just odds and ends, like the fancy box Ash had given her. Neither of them had much. Or anyway, if Ash did, it wasn't here. She didn't seem like a collector, though. Marianne turned back to the newspapers. Her breath shook a little, just like her hands when she straightened the crumpled pages. That was what the sound had been. Just the sound of rumpled pages. Her own fault. She divided up the newspapers. Ash got the international, business, lifestyle, sports, and entertainment sections. She knew more about the world. If something weird was happening out there, she'd probably see it quicker. The business section was necessary for the money things, and that was Ash's job. Everything else, Ash just liked to read. Marianne took the local and national stories. Missing persons, odd weather, groups of people reporting strange visions, anything that sounded like what had happened last summer, in the veiled language of logical skepticism. They'd gone on some local hunts, finding mostly unformed beasts. They were more pests than anything. There were two long halls into the Rockies, but they'd only found dead ends. Really dead ends. Footprints stopping in the middle of a field, like the earth swallowed up whoever made them. Or the sky had. She remembered that vulture thing, beating its huge wings against the pull of the gate. It might have been that, swooping down on some hapless hikers. Or the weird yellowish cloud. What could that do to a person? Those were the things they needed to find. And the lights. Were they out there? Did they need hunting or helping? By the time she heard Ash at the door, her stack of finished papers was nearly complete, with a handful of articles pulled out for investigation. A breeze, light and full of the smell of rain, stirred the newsprint. Ash hugged her from behind, resting her chin on Marianne's shoulder. She felt warmer. Her cheeks were pink, and the dark circles were gone from under her eyes. Borrowed warmth. Borrowed from who, she never said, and Marianne never asked. Ash didn't like to share that part of her life. Did Ash have a type? 
A blood type? Anything good? She picked up the small stack. A couple of stories. I don't know if they mean anything. Ash kissed her cheek and took them and her own sections of paper to the sofa. Marianne checked out the few websites and news groups that showed promise. Last fall, the internet had seemed like a treasure trove. It hadn't taken long to figure out how crazy the crazies could be. She rested her chin on her hand, watching the supernatural conspiracy chat roll up the screen. And, uh-oh, made her jump. The small ICQ messenger window popped up on her screen, blinking insistently. Stupid program. I'll put some music on, Ash said. Marianne looked at her sheepishly. Music floated out of hidden speakers. Acoustic Clapton. It was Sarah's handle blinking at her. They mostly communicated via messenger, since Sarah was crazy busy. They typed away, catching up with each other, while Marianne clicked through a few news sites. From everything she heard, real university was a completely different thing from Marianne's isolated study. Or maybe that was just Sarah, since she was active in every school club and organization that she could squeeze in. She even volunteered outside of school. Marianne scanned the names in the true crime chat room. Three of the ten had 69 in their names, and two others had already messaged her privately to ask to cyber, despite calling herself Simon. Another name popped up, and she smiled. Colonel Colonel. Almost immediately, she got a private message. No requests for awkward, sexy talk. They typed to each other rapidly. Hey, I was hoping to see you. What's up? You were asking about disappearances. Yep, the weirder the better. I heard about two guys up in McBride. Fishermen, not even a trace. Didn't fall in and drown? Here's the weird part. They found their gear on the shore near their pickup. Bunch of grass and trees looked dead. Like it was frozen. Marianne sat up, fingers flying over the keyboard. Canada's cold. Nothing else was frozen. Just that little patch. Weird, right? Interesting. Colonel Colonel used a lot of smiling faces. It was impossible to tell for sure, but Marianne thought it was a girl. Woman. Female. Yeah, that does sound interesting. Who knew there were cool stories around here? Cool, huh? There was a long pause, then a laughing emoticon. Funny. Marianne reached for her notebook, scrawling the information. Colonel Colonel logged out. The messenger blinked for her attention. Marianne asked if they were still on for a coffee and donut meetup, slightly surprised when Sarah said yes. When she signed off, Marianne shut down the computer. In the absence of its hum, some new kind of music soared into all the corners of the apartment. A newspaper rustled. What is this? Algerian. It was more electronic than she would have thought. But what did she know? Her favorite music hadn't changed much since high school. There's a ladies' night, Sarah says, at the club she goes to. You want to go? It might be fun. You should get out and stretch your gams. Gams? You have great gams. Asha's reflection in the dark screen was as still as the painting. She was tucked small like a cat in a corner of the sofa. Newspapers stacked neatly on the end table. Marianne swung her chair around. Ash looked up. 
Ah, Blofeld, at last we meet. You've fallen into my trap, Mr. Bond. She traded her chair for the sofa. Ash abandoned the newspaper to hold her. Marianne sighed. Touch for the sake of touching. Her head fit comfortably against Ash's shoulder. You can go. Have a night out with Sarah. Nah, it's okay. It might be fun. Go dancing. She touched Ash's chin. The flush might be borrowed, but Marianne didn't care. When she was pale as snow, when her eyes were bruised with hunger, when she was smiling, when she was frowning, when she left newsprint smears on Marianne's skin after a night of fruitless searching, everything felt better when they were together. Not perfect, not always, but even the not perfect was good. Ash sang a few lines from Fields of Gold. Nothing vulgar, but she made it crazy hot somehow. Marianne squirmed. Cheesy. True things often are. Marianne was trying to figure out if that was cheesy too, and Ash kissed her. A guaranteed topic changer. Her hand slipped under Marianne's t-shirt, smooth and cool against her back. She shivered, caught between chills and heat. I've fed, my darling, and it will be days until I have you all to myself again. Marianne kissed her. Wanna do it here? I'll need more room to do you justice. That was chapter one of Sirens, the second book in a vampire series that began with Mayfly. I'd especially like to thank my supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to join them, you can have access to chapters a little bit earlier, and hopefully some extras as I go along. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and various other socials. If you go to my website at www.houseofvie.com, that's www.houseofvie.com, you can find links to my Amazon page and to all of my socials. I hope you come back for the next chapter. It should be out in about two weeks. Thank you once again for listening. <laughs>